Hello, welcome adventurers to the Travel Log, a podcast in which I, Stephen Hoffert, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We will go area by area, town by town, to provide a background of canonical lore, as well as suggestions on what type of counters you can run in the area, what type of character you create whose backgrounds are based in the area. This week, we're covering the Sea Ward. Lily, how would you balance a player playing from a prominent noble house in Waterdeep? If we were playing in Waterdeep? Yeah, yeah. I guess it would depend on the uh, character concept they wanted to play and how prominent. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there are some that I would be like, no. Eh. I, I would like to not say no as much as possible. But if someone was like, I want to be Laryl Silverhand's kid. Right. They'd be like, well, I, I don't really know how we're supposed to make this work. But in the most part, I don't know. There's a bunch of ways, you know, possibly you're the... Uh, black sheep kind of. Yeah, you're like the black sheep kid. That's like, you're trying to prove yourself outside of your noble family so you don't rely on them too heavily or you're trying to you know get out of a hole that you don't want your noble family to know about that would work too mm. otherwise right just whatever so your player has a bit of money right yeah yeah that's all that's really all it comes with and like the thing about it is like whenever someone because i've seen this a few times where it's like my player wants to be from a prominent noble family it's like okay right <laughs> like what I, like it's like that's that's fine okay what, like what do you expect to get from this like you're not going to be like you're still just some kid right yeah you know like people are going to respect you as much as they're going to respect anyone's kid i mean the noble feature already like the noble background feature already states that you get access to other nobles so like right yeah you're gonna get that feature you're going to have an easier time getting audience with the other noble houses. But if you're like in the dock ward, they won't give a flying crap about you or might even harass you more being a rich kid. Yeah, depending on who you are. And then I think the easiest way to do it is just so you start with 25 gold as a noble mm-hmm. from the background. Yeah. And so if you want to be like rich, it's just okay. You get a stipend of 25 gold a week. Right, right. Otherwise, we can just go. It's either you get a stipend of 25 gold a week or we just waive fees for arrows and fees for you know ale because once you're level and taverns and stuff yeah once you're level five that stuff kind of is meaningless anyway Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like i don't think it's a big deal all it means is that they have a bunch of money that doesn't mean like they go i want to buy the flame tongue and it's like look dude your family's not giving you six thousand gold for a fire sword yeah right (laughs) like they're just they're just not why would they do that Mm -hmm. earn your fire sword yeah yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. As long as the player understands that, that like parents mm-hmm. aren't going to be like, parents are going to be like, why do you need a ring of invisibility? We want you to be a noble. And you're like, but you want to be adventurer. And they're like, shut up. We made our money on making boats. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need a ring of invisibility to make boats. <laughs> uh, as long as the player understands that and doesn't like, you know, abuse that, then it's, I think it's fine. I think that's it too. Is like, yeah, there's a difference between new money and old money. But a lot of rich people are rich because they, don't spend a lot of money like they spend money on like things that they find important but like i know a lot of like rich people at least nowadays are like insanely frugal about like they pinch pennies every single place they can yeah because they're trying to make the most out of their money and that's why they're rich you know yeah exactly you know? also just like i don't know i think it's perfectly reasonable for two people no matter how rich they are to go no son you do not get the fire sword <laughs> yeah <laughs> you you can save up if you want to save up your 25 gold a week and spend it on a fire sword sure but we don't see how that betters the family yeah no sebastian you do not get your fire sword why can't you be a good child like your brother robastian sea ward is the wealthiest ward of the city lashed by sea storms it is almost deserted in winter but in warmer months, it is home to most of Waterdeep's noble families, who play here with as much gusto as they do in their own estates. The major avenue of this ward is the Street of the Singing Dolphin. The ward is notable not only for its many spired and grand homes of the nobles, but for its containing the majority of the city's temples. Also in this ward, there are towers and works of many powerful wizards. Truth to tell, except for the fading smell of sea and lack of temples as one goes east, the visitor can see little difference between North Ward and Sea Ward. Nonetheless, the visitor should remember that the pushiest of Waterdeep's wealthy merchants crowd in the best addresses they can find in this ward. Some Waterdavians devote their entire lives to attaining a Sea Ward address. Though most are now owned through generations of noble wealth and influence, 
Watch patrols are very frequent. However, they are always polite and generally lightly armed. Vandalism of any sort is not tolerated in this ward unless well-dressed or known Wardavian nobles and drunk. Those who engage in such things are quickly handled in the city. I think this is the funniest thing ever. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like some guy, like one of the first Waterdavian nobles, right? comes and he's like, mm, yes, I am Lord Castiglione and this spot has a beautiful view of the ocean and the mountain. I think I will build my manor here. It's, you know, beautiful. It's summertime. You get this amazing view. Everything is wonderful. Winter comes and Lord Castiglione is like, oh shit, shit. What is this? What is this? The ocean is attacking my manor. Oh, it's so cool. Let's go. Oh. Let's, let's build a country estate right away. And then, you know, next summer, a couple more nobles travel or rich folk travel in town and they look and they go, huh, this is a nice neighborhood. Castiglione's like, yes, it is a beautiful neighborhood. I chose it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fantastic. If you want to be anyone like anyone who's in the know, you have to build your house here. And then winter comes along and they're like, damn it, why didn't you tell us about this? And then that just became why the rich people all live in this ward. You know, that one guy. Yeah. And then it just became the thing you do. And he didn't tell anyone. They all come during summer. So they don't know that the winter sucks. And then yeah. 200 years later, and it's just, you know, the rich neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I get that they would move to hotter places in winter they're rich why not yeah, but it's just so funny to me why did they live here if it's lashed by seams to sea storms do they think they're like oh don't worry about it the sea storms serve a double purpose no one will rob my house <laughs> yeah it'd be too cold they're going to, to get hit by a tidal wave <laughs> lightning <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I guess that is the issue though, with like having seaside property. Yeah. Think of anywhere like in Victoria or Vancouver, or especially Victoria, but Vancouver too, or like, yeah, you have a beautiful beach sized property in the summertime and in the winter it sucks. it's windy as hell and it's so cold and it yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. I just love the idea of, you know, some inland noble who doesn't know this yeah. moving and being like, wonderful view, nothing could go wrong. Ah, it's too winter cold. comes and his like horse has died <laughs> yeah. from the wind. <laughs> father made me stay in the winter mansion this year he's mad at me <laughs> these storms will be the death of me that will serve him right that'll serve him right that's 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 bam play a water deep campaign in the winter and the way you're a noble is you you have been punished you did something crappy and you are punished by staying in the water davian estate during winter yeah exactly that is your punishment as the young noble son you you know slept around or got caught cheating in the gambling house or did whatever you got caught using, you know, the salad fork for the dessert at the other noble's fancy dinner. And your punishment is this. Yeah, that's great. Seaward is the ward with the most Waterdeep noble houses in it. There are many houses, each with a crest in their name. I'm going to list some of them and the family names and a bit of juicy history if the family has one. Sounds good? Yeah, that's cool. And you can like stop me whenever you, know, you want to talk about one. The Emville Stones are rich from ironmongery. And in the 13th century DR, the matriarch, Lady Evelyn of the house, plotted to get her husband on the throne of Tithir through manipulation and murder. In total, she was responsible for the death of eight Tithirian princesses and a Tithirian king before she was caught and beheaded. <laughs> She's like, so you have to, <laughs> you're in the line of Tithirian nobility. Yeah, way down there. No matter. Let's just kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> just kill them all <laughs> oh sweet husband dearie i was looking over your family tree and what is this uh yeah great aunt mercurial what about it well this would make you 23rd in line for the throne of tethir husband darling yeah that's irrelevant is it though <laughs> twiddles twiddles invisible mustache yeah, exactly 23 isn't that many <laughs> wife dearest Tithirian princesses and princes keep dying and i've noticed that you've come to wearing a lot of feather boas lately and long black coats <laughs> sitting by the window at night sipping your 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 brandy is this anything to do with you and that thing you found out about me a couple of months back? It's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> the Heel Gauntlet family made their name in mercenary and military outfitting. 
A well-respected family, though an ancestor, Lord Hund, built a tomb for himself in the other mountain and killed all the craftspersons and the young noble of the Alderic family who had shown him the way to keep it secret. However, the altar trolls found out and went and sealed Hund in his tomb, much to relief of the Hell Gauntlet family. Okay, sorry, I'm, I was confused here because it's like he killed them all and then they found out that he killed them all? No, no, so yeah, he... But he didn't kill all of them. He only killed the one that knew. Yeah, that's well. He killed all the craftsperson and the other family member, uh, the fam- family member from the other family that knew. But yeah, he just killed the one, yeah. the one young noble of that family. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he was like his own cask of whatever Castiglione or something. He's like, yes, I will just murder you all, and then no one will know where my secret hideout is. Yeah, it's so weird. It's a tomb. It's a tomb. You're just going to sit there when you die. I, I don't even understand what the point of this is. Yeah. He just wanted to be mysterious. He was like, I've heard of all these people of old, Lawlock, that have their secret hidey holes. I want one. I want one now. The El Torchol family was known for mage schooling, magical research, and the procurement of rare substances and items. This does not sound like a good family that you want to murder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heel, Heel Gauntlet made a terrible choice. Aria Eltorchul, a daughter of the noble family, studied under two of Halister's seven in a short-lived magical academy known as the Heirs of Halister. <laughs> the Brokenhold family were rich in exploration, guiding, and hunting, and procurement of exotic beasts. They all had reputations as capable fighters. The Raven Tree family were rare food purveyors and ran a shipbuilding enterprise. They funded an expedition to Mastika that led to the founding of New Waterdeep. Wow. The Rosnar family were once the richest in Waterdeep. However, they were banished for rumors of smuggling and slavery and other crimes. The Tetherian house has returned and is trying to overcome its dark past and disgraces. I'm sorry, in disgraceful reputation by focusing on legitimate business ventures such as winemaking and gem trading. The daughter of the house is defiant, though, and many wonder if she will be the family's folly. Wow. <laughs> the family Mel Simber, who traded in sage lore, history and genealogy, research and information gathering, and fine wines. There are many in this house that are magically inclined, but use those talents mainly for rumor and gossip. The Nesher family, with wealth in hawking, lumbering, and woodmaking, were notable in 1370 when it looked like the open lord of Waterdeep was close to death and the patriarch moved quickly to gain support for his ascension uh, to the position. However, the lord uh, recovered and it was for naught. Just... <laughs> like running this campaign of like, vote Nesher! Nesher is your person! And everyone's like, oh yeah, maybe this Nesher would be good over the Lord. And it's like, oh, oh, he's better now. Never mind. The fever passed. Never mind. Yeah, it's just a very <laughs> funny thing to be notable for, you know? It's like if you have yeah. one thing to say about the family, and it's this. Guy ran for office, <laughs> and then his campaign was thrown out because the office was no longer open. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow, what a great thing to go down in history for. I mean, at least we're talking about them. Yeah. Gundwind. Gundwind. Family is famous for its business of the capture, training, and breeding of hippogriffs that uh, also trade between Skullport and Waterdeep, but not in the books. The family was nearly brought to ruin when the Ghost family hired the Shadow Thieves to kill, kidnap, and rob the family during the Guild Wars of Waterdeep. It took a distant relative coming to Waterdeep to build them back up to what they are today. And there are many, many more. Yeah, I feel like one of the things that we're a bit too far removed from medieval life, I think, to fully get a grasp on, mm. or it's just been kind of lost and our shows don't do it enough. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, I feel, touches on it decently, but just how, like, freaking weird nobles used to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like when we talk about political intrigue and, like, laws and order, we ascribe too much modernity to it. Mm-hmm. And while I think in a world with magic this advanced, they wouldn't be a perfect analog to our medieval world. I feel like their sensibilities would probably be a bit more... Refined? Modern. A bit more modern Mm -hmm. than what we are used to. But still, like, I think usually it's like, well, how would a one lady in Waterdeep kill eight princesses? Yeah. You know, I think usually it's just like, well, the guards would come and kill her. And it's like, yeah, the noble houses are always warring between each other. And, you know, Waterdeep might have this great police force, but that doesn't stop these people from, you know, being this weird, tangled mess of incestuous plotting and murder and 
breeding monsters to trade to weird underground pirates you know <laughs> yeah like exactly <laughs> i don't know you just read the history of one spanish french or english noble family and it's like what the fuck is going on here yeah oh yeah how 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 is this happening and happened in real life yeah <laughs> and i feel like we need more of that in D. &D. Mm -hmm. yeah just the eccentric noble family that got way too into a really niche thing or has the one like patriarch or person in it that like gets away with way too much for the grace of the family but like yeah no one's gonna do anything about it they're rich building building a secret tomb yeah. <laughs> and then murdering everyone who knows about it or yeah killing eight princesses from across the world also yeah the one who like you know we talked about notable because he almost was open lord maybe that one or his ancestors are like really obsessed with one day becoming open lord and think they have a legitimate chance because the one ancestor had yeah. it so like they're pro plotting to to you know overthrow lariel or you know vote no confidence or whatever yeah just i feel like just the system of nobility just it puts weird thoughts into people's heads yeah you yeah. know <laughs> when you have this system of like by my birth going 200 years back we are important mm -hmm. yeah you know that just that just breeds that just breeds weird people yeah. especially when you're you know 10 generations down the line and you've been told your whole life that you're important people you're just it just it's weird yeah yeah it's still super weird uh also the fact that yeah, i touched on it but yeah there's heirs to halister or halister's heirs and like nobles would send their kids like that was the main if not the only clientele to that magic school was noble kids that were just sending to the mad mage to learn magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about this 2,000-year-old insane wizard? Hmm. I think I will entrust my daughter to him. Exactly. I think this is... Why? To learn magic. Who's better to teach magic? <laughs> exactly. Who else would know? <laughs> Maingate is a tower owned by the wizard Nain Keenwhistler. And is an ex-member of the Company of Crazed Adventurers. In his career with them, he has slain and raised many times, but has not died in over 20 years. Nain is now a fast friend and reliable ally of Keldon and Durnan of the Lords of Waterdeep. With his share of the company's wealth, Nian built his own tower, Nian Gate, in Waterdeep at Seawatch Street and Grimbolt Way. And the Company of Crazed Adventurers was the party that played Ed Greenwood's original Forgotten Realms. Right. And will come up sometimes. So it's just some one of Ed's players was like, I settled down in Waterdeep. Exactly. Yeah. I think this the guy who plays him now owns like a brewery in Ottawa. <laughs> huh. yeah. Funky. Tesselar is a high-voiced, bearded, vain man given to wearing lots of sparkling rings. Costume jewelry worth only a few coppers. Tesler is nonetheless a respected and well-liked figure at the galas of Seaward, often preparing elaborate illusions of pyrotechnics for sponsoring nobles, whose praise and political support is now more important to Tesler than money. While he has no major enemies, Tesler seems paranoid and trusts no one. Always demanding payment in advance for uh, unusual potions and scrolls, or half in advance and half when ready. He does not deliver, so you must go to him to do business. Tesselar spends most of his time uh, in the town of Waterdeep. And the Dragon Tower of Marill is a wizard tower encircled by walls and an aura of menace, its sinister and dangerous air only amplified by the tower's shape of a dragon rampant. Like a, dra like a dragon going rampant? I love the name Tesselar. <laughs> it's a good name. name. I think that this could be a good... It says he has no major enemies and... Uh... Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't care about money and stuff and because he doesn't care about money and because he's eccentric i don't know i feel like there's three yeah there's more than three types but there's a bunch of different types of patrons and if you're in a city like this you can go with imposing crime boss that's cool yeah okay you can go with likable but strong-willed leader of a some kind of order like mm -hmm. you know durnin yeah if you're playing the red sashes or Vraja, if you're playing the Grey Cloaks. Or you can go, you know, eccentric noble who just has too much money and so gets into everyone's business. Yeah, yeah. You guys you guys have that patron in my campaign right now in Julian. Mm -hmm. of, ah, you are a man of fashion. <laughs> Look at this weird thing I got recently. My friends, welcome back. I will put the tea on. Well, I mean, I will not put the tea on. Valerie will put the tea on, but it is the same difference. It is still my tea. <laughs> the cups you are drinking out of were used to poison a princess 200 years ago. Isn't that so delightfully macabre? <laughs> and I don't know, we in our campaign, we all love Julian and he's a ray of sunshine every time he shows up. And uh, so I think this guy could make a good patron. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just because he's he's rich, he does a weird thing. <laughs> 
And I feel like the weird thing also helps because it's like, Julian, why don't you do Tessalar? Why don't you do this? People are always asking that. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's a stupid thing for players to ask, but I can understand it if you're new <laughs> because it's like, they are doing it by getting you to do it. It's what rich people do. They delegate. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the guy can't go do everything. Yeah. But still, if someone does ask, well... What do you mean, why am I not doing it? I am building my pyrotechnics for the next show. I don't have time to go stop this evil wizard, but I don't want the evil wizard to kill the city before my next show. <laughs> so I'm hiring you to deal with it. Make sure everyone comes to my next show not dead. Thank right. you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or like, you know, I have uh, heard of well, a, secret, a secret tomb owned by a former noble that killed everyone involved in building it. It's somewhere in the Undermountain. And I've heard that there is a certain type of stone in there only found in ancient Netheril. And after the cataclysm, well, it is very rare to find. It will help my pyrotechnics turn the color of the rainbow. <laughs> Can you find it? Locate it. There is a shit ton of gold in it for you. You know, I think it's just really good because he's making illusions and pyrotechnics and all of this stuff. I don't know. There, there's. I just think there's tons of room if you want an eccentric quest giver. Yeah, I think it's great. Who, of course, secretly has... You know, everyone goes, Tessalar, no Hell enemies. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. get involved in important stuff, but is secretly getting involved in everything. E everything, yeah. <laughs> in the year of Blue Flame, 1327, a mad reclusive mage named Kellier Twistbeard constructed the Blue Alley as a way to afford himself endless amusement. Although Kellier now wanders other planes, he still returns periodically to watch visitors encounter the alley's perils, making bets with old friends like Marel on the victim's probability of success. The Blue Alley is a death trap filled with cruel traps and illusions, and its only real treasure is the sword Magebane. Whenever adventurers boast of their adventures in Waterdeep shops and taverns, invariably the proprietor or one of the regulars will inquire, Eh, have you trod the Blue Alley yet then? Nearly all Waterdavians have heard the Blue Alley and know that it lies in Seaward. Residents of that ward usually know that its entrance opens on Ivory Street. The alley's blue paving stones glow faintly underfoot, leading to a T-shaped intersection adorned with a carved stone image of a man's face twisted in fear. Yeah, blue alley. It's yeah, it sounds trap. cool. I want this sort of mage bane. <laughs> yeah. It, it, in the in the book, there was uh, stats for it. But yeah, it's a uh, yeah, nice little thing. Like I, As I said, someone kind of cut near uh, players down to size and this have them do like you know, a mini dungeon that's an alleyway, just all traps all all the time. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, the blue alley found it. It's tiny. It's very, very small. But it's no, it's not very, very small. It just doesn't it's mm. not it's marked, but it doesn't have the name written on the map. Mm. For everyone listening, the blue alley is on the interactive map that I've recommended every single episode at aidedwd.org. But um uh, okay. The only thing it says here is most who enter this alley don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> um it's actually quite long and winding and but like what are the people who live in <laughs> so it, it opens up it, it opens up into singing maiden's walk which is a normal street so who what are the what are the people who live there who's like their back door opens to the blue alley what are they doing i know who's their back <laughs> can you take the garbage out dear yeah. my wife is trying to kill me exactly like oh, i don't want to deal with this what do you mean take the garbage out <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah you have friends they're like oh yeah we'll just like smoke out the back door no <laughs> don't go there <laughs> you go um yes Lancel, I have invited you over for nice dinner and tea. I know our families have not gotten along in the past, but it is time to bury the hatchet. You've come all this way from Baldur's Gate, after all. Here, step into the back where we have a veranda. <laughs> Steps out the back door, you instantly slam it and lock it, and you're like, ha ha ha. Lancel will no longer be a problem. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> and then people come and they're like, "Did you were looking for Lancel? Ah, you just didn't know about the blue alley, the idiot." Mm, just, yeah. Yeah, Got drunk known. and went out the back door. We told him not to. <laughs> we said, "Don't go out the back door." We we look. It is it, it is barred closed. We don't even know how he did it. Why? <laughs> uh, I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, I think it could be a fun little dungeon. Uh, not even just with traps, just like cruel traps and yeah illusions yeah, right, so illusions. it's full of illusory walls yeah. but like and uh not even just illusory walls like so like high enough level wizard can like 
make illusions real. Right, yeah. yeah. Right? So, like, uh, you could make it like a shifting dungeon where some walls are fake, some walls are real, and some walls come and go. Mm, that's cool, yeah. You know, so, like, the party backtracks, and they're like, wasn't there a door here? And you're like, mm, yes, I thought there was a door there. Interesting. Ha, 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 ha. Ah, how mysterious. Mm. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I think it's gonna be. No, fun. I think it'd be super fun. Heroes Garden is Waterdeep's only public park outside the City of Dead. It is a large, lush area of grass, trees, and ponds, once covered by the sprawling school of wizardry known as Tower of Yintros. A number of statues decorate the area, including large marble statues of the open lords Baron and Lyston, in her guise as a masked lady. It is often the scene of adventurers retelling tales about their exploits to others and attending local children. The watch in the local city tree tend to the park, which means that they keep the park free of debris and prevent would-be heroes from carving their names into the trees. There's also the sea, uh, Sea's Edge Beach, which originally was just an area of mudflats on the city's western seaside. The area south of the west gate has been covered with sand and turned into a beachfront, while only used at the height of summer when the water temperature rises to near tolerable levels. Sea's Edge Beach is used for reflection, solitude, and the terminus of Ariel's West Tide Cliffs run. There's also the Field of Triumph, which is a huge open-air stadium. It is the site of many spectacles staged for the populous Waterdeep. From late spring to late autumn, thousands of people flood to the awe-inspiring Lionsgate to witness shows of magic, martial skill, horse racing, and monstrous uh, exhibitions of creatures big and small. The field also acts as a public forum for such important public events as the Open Lords Proclamations and the City and the Special Gatherings for Foreign Dignitaries. That's cool. I like the uh, open-air stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. I think you could have a fun, I don't know show happen there or event that your players can uh, interact with like i think that's really a good uh like a horse race like a horse race why not yeah also i think we had a combat tournament early in our campaign when y'all were what like level five Mm -hmm. and that was pretty fun yeah and i think you know whenever it's like what did people used to do in like the year 1100 for fun and it's like well they would beat the crap out of each other like they would, they would go into a stadium with a sword and a shield, and they would beat the crap out of each other while everyone watched. Yeah, that's what they used to do for fun. You bet, you bet, they would have had you know sorcerer duels oh, for yeah. fun. Oh yeah, that's so cool. So just cool. have a cleric on the side to real quick cast spare the dying if someone dies, or just have it to the death. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I like Waterdeep is so funny because it's like they call it the jewel of the north, and it's. Supposed to be the height of good living and modernity and, you know, the world's greatest city and all of this stuff. You know, it's billed as this haven of culture and refinery and advancements in society and everyone's here and everything's great. And then you read about it and it's like, yeah, okay, you keep telling me that, but it also seems like really classes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like someone comes to, my lord, is, is there not a place where we can gather and have a barbecue my family for my nan's wedding well you could go to the public park but the only public park we have the only place with grass (laughs) is in the noble district and you'll probably get kicked out because you look like shit yeah (laughs) well how am i supposed to look better i live in the poor district well should have thought of that before you could go to the haunted graveyard (laughs) freaking die from a zombie because for some reason there's undead there (laughs) the choice is yours whatever don't don't bother me again like it's just it's just funny to me why is the only park like yeah 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 the only park and then also if you look at it like at the map Mm -hmm. it's like okay so cramped little houses no green no green no green and then you get up to these two rich house rich wards and everyone has these like lush backyards and shit and it's just like grass is only for the rich only for the rich you only get to enjoy the nice greenery (laughs) yeah i know it's wild yeah I, i very much like the open air stadium it'd be fun to play like a like a show fighter or like show horseman like a cavalier and like you're really good at like you know jousting and like the horse events and water deep and like it's your off season so you're going on a adventures or whatever or maybe some injury happens so you can't keep doing it and you're going to like yeah yeah be great yeah gladiator right yeah yeah that's uh the entertainer background has the gladiator variant in the bhb i think that'd be fun 
There is the Sated Seder Tavern. The Broken Lance is a cozy tavern frequented and staffed by athletes and fighters from the Field of Triumph. And the Eel Pie is a house specialty. The Wyvern's Rest is a former watch post and blockhouse. This one-story stone tavern is a favorite of the watch and guard members. Its hallmark is uh, being the stuffed wyvern that looms over the bar. The Fiery Flagon is an odd, cramped place that stands on the west side of the Sea Watch Street, a relic of the time when sailors lived on the mud flats north of Mount Waterdeep and the rich had yet to migrate north from Castle Waterdeep. It is famous among sailors up and down the Sword Coast, who throng to visit when they make land in the city. Food in the flagon means cheese, grapes, bread, and lots and lots of seafood. Seafood hauled live and dripping from tanks all around the place, cooked swiftly and expertly in front of your eyes. Sailors can bring their own catch to be cooked, too, but wise guests leave their palates in the care of the four cooks. Grizzled old seamen who know just what to make of a particular fish or deep-sea creature taste the best. Try the fried sea snake. The flagon's damp cellars are said to have a hidden tunnel that winds down a long way by stair and ladder shaft to a cavern near to the strange lawless place in the depths called Skullport. All openings are performed by a half dozen armed men. Uskalir keeps some sort of magical wand at the ready during such openings. Much illicit trade passes this way, with the Lords of Waterdeep being none the wiser, though a sea ghost, a dripping wraith of a drowned pirate festooned with seaweed, pursues those who meddle in the affairs of the pirates. It's just, it's just a seafood dripping from tanks all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's just eels, eels getting the ground wet over there, and shrimp over there getting the place all soggy. What does that even mean? <laughs> seafood dripping from tanks all over the place. So dripping. <laughs> Oh, go to that place. There's just seafood all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, it's on the floors, on the ceiling. It's on your lap. It's everywhere. I like that the sated satyr just exists. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. It just exists. Yeah. The broken lance, I think, would be funny because it's like, I imagine it's either staffed by athletes, uh, athletes I imagine, in the off-season, but I like to think it's staffed by um, yeah. ones who were injured and can no longer fight or perform. Mm, yeah. And so I like the idea that it's like, um, you know, you go in there and you're like two adventurers and you're like, oh, yeah, that last one really dinged me up. And one of the waiters is like, where'd you get hit? On uh, the shoulder. And the waiter's like, ah, oh, yeah, I took an arrow to the knee. And then another waiter runs over and is like... <laughs> I took a ham up to the side of my jaw. Can't talk straight anymore. And the next waiter runs over and is like, I got kicked off my horse and oh, my radial cuff doesn't work properly. And then the barkeep behind is just like, oh, don't, why'd you get them started? <laughs> yeah. and now all the staff, the, the cooks are coming out from the back being like, we're talking about injuries. <laughs> oi, oi, I lost my pinky finger in that one fight. I lost three of my toes in the next one, but the one that really did me in and the... the owner is just like uh, okay it's gonna be about an hour till anyone gets food <laughs> we're comparing injuries uh, i love that and it happens every time yeah. it happens yeah. every single time the party comes back later and one's like "Ooh, that fireball really almost killed me and the waiter's like oh fireball huh I took an arrow to the knee. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, they just totally forget that you have already heard all this. They don't care. They just want people to hear their old, you know, their old stories of battle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the fiery flagon, though, I like, yeah, play it up like maybe some like I would play it up that there's there's a section where like the actual sailors go. That's kind of like off section. And now they've like, but they also have a big section where like the nobles go to be like, yeah. oh, it's so eclectic oh. like oh the seafood is just so fresh and you know it's kind of like a theme bar or a theme restaurant yeah i like that i like the seagulls too yeah. i like the uh way to the under this could be a really cool way your party's trying to figure out how to get to uh skullport and personally i would probably drip a couple ways throughout the city and whatever one mm -hmm. they latch on to i mean this could be a fun one. Oh yeah they gotta figure out how to you know grease the right wheels drop the right coins into different people's uh yeah yeah super pockets fun. You know, getting good, all all to help, all to help Tesselar get some, <laughs> you know, bismuth for his fireworks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good too because like you would go in there being like, oh, it's in Sea Ward, so we have to like play high class, and then you're like, oh wait, no, these are like, 
the low class in Sea Ward. They've just been here forever. And so like you had to like maybe you were planning one way to like wow them or get in their good side and then have to like change plans midway through. Yeah. Solchun's Sundry Shop has those tourist knickknacks that travelers swiftly grow to hate, such as toy wooden shields emblazoned with the words, I saw Waterdeep and survived. <laughs> but it's also the only place in the entire ward where you can buy string, thongs, and kindling, flint, and clay pipes, and carry sacks. Halazar's Fine Gems has a glistening black front kept shiny with magic. Its center gleams a single sparkling gem, the size of a man's head, an illusion. Those touching the gem feel a a wrenching shock as the magic temporarily drains them of a small amount of energy to sustain itself. Inside, they're truly the finest gems one can find for sale. Exquisitely cut and mounted, displayed in glass cases with severe simplicity, and sold for precisely four times what they fetch anywhere else. Waterdeep being what it is, the gems do sell, as folks proudly boast of how much they paid. The security arrangements are confidential, but powerful. Someone like walks up and it's like, ooh, look at this nice little storefront. I'm just going to touch. Ow! What the fuck? <laughs> and uh, Alazar comes out and Alazar's like, oh, who's out there? And it's like, ow, your sh- shop just shocked me. What the fuck, man? And Alazar's like, well, you shouldn't be touching people's gems on the door. What you going around touching people's sparkling gems for? It's your own. You deserve it. Anyway, come inside, buy some gems. That, yep. <laughs> anyway, now that that yeah. one has hurt you, would you like to buy some that don't yeah. hurt you? <laughs> this is so funny to me. What the it's fuck? So your store attacked me. <laughs> Feed the store. You know what, Feed it your power. Do, you know, do you know what will help? Do you know what will help with that little wound? A fabulously cut ruby. <laughs> Priced perfect. <laughs> There's Grenin's bread ready to feed Waterdeep's love of pastries. Melvar's chapbooks and folios supply the richer neighborhoods with its broad sheets and chapbooks. Velatha's delights. Velatha is a short elven woman with white hair that sweeps the ground behind her as she walks. She makes griddle cakes dripping with butter and laden with cream, as well as cold rolls to be carried away and eaten later. Cylindrical pastries stuffed with chopped nuts and berries. Many cups of hot milled cider are enjoyed here with the cakes. Cold rolls are a bit pricey, but they keep their tart flavor after a day riding in one's hip pouch in the city streets and worth more and worth a little extra. And a wondrous shop that's run by three lady gnome glassblowers, the ones who help make those fancy bottles we talked about last week. Right. Yeah, I like that Seaward. All of its like shops are like, there's nothing useful other than pastries and, yeah, other than just the pastries. There's And this cold rolls, the Vela, that's, uh, yeah, this is a light shop. There's like really nothing useful here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It makes sense. Everything here is just like a, you know, food and status symbols. Yeah. You know, why Why would they need a Fletcher here? The nobles don't go to the Fletcher. Exactly. They send their, you know, valet to go to the Fletcher. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So they doesn't have to be close. <laughs> they don't want that near here. We don't want, we don't get that riffraff out of here. I don't want to see your hands dark with coal, blacksmith. Hey, I made that sword on your hip. I don't give a shit what you made. Get out of my house. This isn't your house. This is the street. Same difference. Yeah, yes. <laughs> But someone has to supply the chapbooks. <laughs> we course. need our chapbooks. Uh, the Tower of Yintros was once one of Waterdeep's preeminent, preeminent schools of wizardry, standing beyond the walls at the northern end of the plateau where Hero's Garden stands today. Built by the Archmage Yintros in the year of Spreading Spring, 1038 DR, it passed to its apprentice, Ulthorn. Uthorn dwelled in the Tower of Yentros for over two centuries, educating generation after generation of water Davian wizards. In the Year of Thunder, 1306 DR, Ultron died in a sorcerer's duel with a vastly more powerful foe, the Archmage Arabos. In defeat, he slew his enemy by bringing the Tower of Yentros down upon them both with a great shout. Many of Ulthorn's young apprentices and prestidigitators of Waterdeep searched the wreckage of the tower that night, seeking items of power and written spells. The blasted corpse of Ulthorn was found with his shattered staff and emerald sigil ring, but many other treasures, including the spellbook of Diamos, were never found. In the wake of the tower's destruction, the lords of Waterdeep purchased the land in which it stood from Ulthorn's apprentice and heir, the wizard Renergalus. 
The ruins of the tower were cleared and the land was transformed to a public park known as the Hero's Garden. Unknown to all but a few, part of the Tower of Intro still exists. The catacomb beneath the tower, used for spell research and magical experimentation, still exists, sealed from prying eyes by wards set in place by the Watchful Order. One entrance to the catacombs lies beneath the statue of Lyson. The other entrance lies in the sewers. The existence of the catacombs and passphrase needed to bypass the wards are recorded in the diaries of Renegalis, of which several copies exist in various libraries around the city. A handful of adventurers have explored the catacombs of Yentros over the years, but reports as to what they have found vary widely. That's pretty cool. That's a nice little dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, nice little dungeon. I like that you can find, like, I don't mention of it in a diary. That's really cool. A little treasure hunt you can put your players on. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'd make them not so obvious in the library. Like, I'd make them a little bit more scattered around the city, a bit harder to find. Like, someone says the diaries are here, but the diaries have been, you know, lost. Like, it's not like they're not in the libraries. It's just that they're, um, like, it's just been so long. No one's asked for them. They're, like, 100 years old. You know, they've been lost in these huge libraries you know these huge res- repositories of book that uh you know you gotta do a little skill challenge to find them mm. maybe some people have tried to tried to hide them yeah you know one day they all disappeared and everyone's like oh we didn't really care that they disappeared they're just some old dusty dusty diaries yeah dusty diaries yeah 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 i like that a lot that's cool yeah that's fun the house of heroes is the largest temple as uh, the largest of the temples in the city it is dedicated to tempest lord of battle and attracts spectators and combatants alike from the nearby Field of Triumph. The winners of the ward competitions at the field are paraded here after their victories, often carried on the shoulders or passed to hand over hand in the heads of the crowd. The House of Inspired Hands is an enterprising temple to Gond that frequently abounds with new noisy inventions of its faithful. It has lost some support in recent months to the new temple to Ogma and Castle Ward. Gondwatch Lane is an alley found at the southern entrance of the House of Inspired Hands in Seaward. This alley serves as the testing ground for inventions considered too dangerous to operate inside the temple. The locals are generally unconcerned about the risks, though, and stand watching while the food vendors circulate among them. The House of the Moon is Saloon's gilded temple to where pilgrims flock to see the Wand of the Four Moons, a holy relic said to hold some of Saloon's power. Many even claim that the Lady of Silver battled the goddess of Shar in the city during the Time of Troubles. The Shrine of Nature are unpretentious shrines to Miliki and Sylvanus. The Shrines of Nature are now considered one temple area, combining the grounds of two separate shrines. The Shrine to Miliki is commonly known as Lady's Hands, and forested area around the shrine takes up much of the wonder of this place. The Temple of Beauty is a temple of marble, gold, and silver, with many statues of the goddess and her most comely worshippers throughout the marble public baths and the mirrored salons that are open from before dawn to after dusk. This is the Temple to Soon, by the way. There's no fee for these services or the advice and aid of the temple's many pleasant attendants, but donations are encouraged. Uh, The Tower of Luck, temple complex dedicated to Demora and the second largest temple of the city, The tower in question is actually a many-pillared atrium ingeniously roofed over with glass. Beneath the roof, a bronze sculpture of the diminutive Tamora, depicted as a laughing young girl, appears to be leaping from the very top of an astounding fountain. To pay respect and to make a wish, you must come around to the fountain on a walkway and toss your coin to Tamora. Managing to land on her outstretched hand is a sure sign for favor. That's cool. Some nice temples. Yeah. Yeah, good temples. There's a lot you can do with temples, you know? Something is stolen from a temple. Someone randomly gets murdered at a temple. I mean, especially if you have a cleric or, you know, a monk or a paladin or any religious person in your party. Mm-hmm. I just think there's, there's tons you can do. Yeah, it's it's cool that there's all here. Um, weird that Tempest is the largest one. Seems odd, but hey, people like to fight. All right, tomorrow's the second largest. Yeah, I mean, you can also, like, yeah. you know, like the... Uh, Wand of Four Moons goes missing, then Salunites start dying, and it turns out, you know, a cult of Shar has infiltrated the city, and you get embroiled in that as a party. That's a great classic adventure. Yeah. The Shrines of Nature are all getting defaced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it turns out that, you know, it's uh, someone who worships, like, Malar, the chaotic evil god of nature. Right. Or someone who worships, Mm. I don't know, someone who just doesn't like nature. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
someone who work, worships uh, Talos or something. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I think there's tons you can do. Yeah. Maybe one of these, you know, the Tamora Temple. You know, you could also, for a higher level campaign, for some political intrigue, if you're all nobles now, one of these temples has gotten too popular. Like, everyone is a Timorite now. Mm. Just because, for some reason, they just gained popular over the city, right. uh, over the time, over the years. And now they're just, like, getting uppity and not listening to the mass lords. And everyone's afraid they're going to stage a coup. Mm. Mm. Like, especially Tempest yeah. would be a good yeah. one for that. I think Gond would be a good one for that. I think Gondites are pretty full of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, mm. there's, ton, there's tons you could do That's with cool. I like churches, that. I think. The House of Wonder is an ornate tower for the faithful of Mistra with her holy symbol in mosaics on the courtyard. The tower is in the center of a circle of stars with a red mist flowing towards the center of the tower. Waterdeep has a strong tradition of both wizardry and sorcery. Wardavians inclined to worship one of the arcane faiths, Zeus, Mistra, Savras, and now Valsarun, have traditionally favored the Lady of Mysteries, dating back to the establishment of the House of Wonder in the year of Starlight, 1215-DR. In Waterdeep, the Church of Mystra has long played a secondary role to the watchful order of magistrates and protectors because the sale of spells and magic items is traditionally the province of the Guild, not the Church. The relationship between the Guild and the Church has been upset in recent years by the growth of the Enclave of the Red Magic, and the attempts by Malagost Starseer, the temple's high priest, to reach out to the Red Wizards. Waterdeep's Mistrin Church is closely allied with the Church of Saloon, and the two faiths work together to battle the followers of Shar. In the aftermath of the Time of Troubles, Malagost Starseer joined Nanith Sarul in founding the Knights of the Blue Moon, in large part to remove High Moon Knight Zael from his leadership role in the House of Wonder. Although the Knights of the Blue Moon were officially welcomed to the House of Wonder, Melagust has made it clear that he finds their presence distasteful. That's pretty sweet. I think Knights of the Blue Moon, would are they dedicated to Mistra or Mistra and Saloon? And Saloon, yeah, they're half-half, which is cool. It's a cool mix. Yeah, I, I think that would be a really cool faction to be a part of. We're always talking about, you know, the Red Sashes, but I think this one would be really cool if you wanted a more mystical faction. Yeah, yeah and I like that they, like, they focus on Char. Like, you can really just have your, like, if there's any mention of Shar up or a Shar church, like, that is the stick in your craw, you know? It's also just really cool. Knights of the Blue Moon, you know? You could all play, um, mm-hmm. maybe if you wanted to play a campaign where everyone is uh, kind of like a spell sword, you know? Have a blade singer, yeah. then have a swords bard, then have a paladin and a ranger, maybe a mm-hmm. eldritch knight or a hexblade yeah. warlock. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. A little little theme party <laughs> of red mages, you know? Yeah, I like that a lot. That's super cool. Also, you can tell going through the lore that the Faerun, like, mm. in modern books, they're still mentioned a lot. Like, they show up in Storm King's Thunder, and they show up in Chult, and they show up in um, Tyranny of Dragons. But you can really tell when you go through the lore that, like, the red wizards were really set up to be the big bads of many campaigns, it yeah. seems. It seems like maybe during Greenwood's tenure, they were... Uh, the focal point of a lot of campaigns maybe yeah if if not the focal point the like kind of bubbling background of evil like yeah if there's evil foot the red wizards have a hand in it or like are nearby it you know yeah yeah they are like i think the zentarum now and 5e have taken kind of the main villain role uh, of like overarching villainous quote-unquote entity but like the Red Wizards, yeah. They, they they got some OG villainous uh, nature to them. Classic evil wizards, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're always doing evil stuff. They look cool, though. Wizards, I tell ya. I like them a lot. Yeah, they're cool. Faraz Alley is an alley in the Sea Ward that is named after the first leader of the House of Wonder, but is more infamous for its circle of skulls. This infrequent and unpredictable haunting takes the form of seven floating skulls, which hover in a circle and argue with one another in whispered tones about the events in the city. They are interrupted. Their action reports varies from being helpful to engaging in murderous spell-slinging. Waterdeep's first major temple to Saloon was located on the site that is today Moonstar Alley, which curls around the walled villa of the noble family which it is named. Originally known as the High House of Stars, it was burned to the ground in the year of the tomb, 1182-DR, by raiding worshippers of Bane who crept up from below and breached the temple's cellars. 
Saloon's faithful are believed to have never set foot on the desecrated ground again, but their present temple is a block to the west. Local rumors suggest that the sellers of the burned temple still hold magic and wealth, buried under burned rubble, and that they can be reached by stairs and shafts now hidden under the paving stones of this alleyway. In truth, Lord Vanrak Moonstar and his fellow Sharian worshippers destroyed the High House of Stars before retreating to the Underdark. However, the undercroft of the High House of Stars, the building now known as the Vault of Stars, survived the conflagration and still in the hands of the Moon Maiden's followers. Lady Alinthine Moonstar is now an archlich and continues her unending war with Vanrick and his followers and uses the Undercroft only to pursue her research and investigations. Mentors who learn of the Vault of Stars might be tempted to explore it, at least until they have determined and walked uninvited into the lair of a lich with a fantastic memory, a sharp wit, and a hunger for new stories of Waterdeep. If they caused any damage before realizing they had been invading the workplace of a quote-unquote one of the good people, they might find themselves paying their debts not in coin, but in service to the Moon Maiden's cause. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. There's a lich. There's always a lich. <laughs> but she's like, not good, but she's like, kind of, like she seems agreeable. Agreeable is the word I'll use. <laughs> I think it could be cool of, I think she would make a good enemy if you needed a high-level threat to Waterdeep and you wanted this random lich with this really cool dungeon mm. and this kind of connection to saloon mm. you know i think she could be a really interesting lich in that way yeah also the vault of stars just sounds really freaking cool mm -hmm. sounds so cool but also you could maybe set it up as like kind of this have her encountered when they're too low level you know you can set her up as a late game bad guy and have her as an earlier game tenuous ally right you know and so while she's being a tenuous ally like maybe when you're working for the pyrotechnician right mm, yeah um yeah. you stumble across this place he sends you there and then she helps with some quests you know a kind of give and take relationship that you have with her to do your quests for the pyrotechnic guy or whatever but while that's happening you know some stuff goes on in the city and like you can tell that it was her but it wasn't that bad and you're like well okay so she killed these people to get this thing but she's helping us do good it's fine you know, but then slowly that starts bubbling up more and more till it gets to the point where the party's like, okay, something's coming. You know, you're finding you're finding little missives in places about dark dealings and yeah. hints at a bigger plot that she's unraveling and behind the shadows. And eventually you're like, ah, crap. And then that comes to a head and she becomes your enemy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that could be fun. I think that could be really fun. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It kind of like maybe gives them a miss under if like it happens early enough. They're like, okay, maybe all, no, not all liches are bad. And they're like, nope, wait, nope, nope, they're bad. <laughs> they're pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be cool. Uh, cool quest line is so you work with her for a while mm -hmm. and it all comes to a head with, I don't know what she's planning on doing. This would be kind of later game stuff. Well, she hates that like group. Yeah, she hates that group. So maybe she's making it seem like, oh, I'm just going after these people that wrong does. Yeah, but then eventually by doing that, to make you not seem so bad, I was thinking something cool that could happen is that she banishes Silverhand mm, mm. to a demiplane, locks her in a demiplane, is able to get a imprisonment spell mm -hmm. off on Silverhand, and she takes over Waterdeep. Yo. And everyone freaks out, and, you know, she's not, like, super bad. She doesn't want to treat the people poorly or anything. You know, she's not here to be evil. Mm -hmm. She is here to be evil. But she still also wants to rule Waterdeep, yeah. you know? So she can't just kill everyone. But what she does is she banishes you mm -hmm. because you you were friends. And so she goes like, I will give you this one last kindness and spare your lives. And she warps you to like Icewind Dale or something and makes you... Right, an, and you have to make it back. Yeah, but makes you an enemy of the state, right? Oh, right, yeah. Maybe the thing is, is she still, people still think she's good. Like maybe she frames Silverhand for something. Mm. And so people think she's good. And there's all this like, you've become enemies of the state because you find out her true secret, but it's too late. You know, you go through the vault of stars and at the end of the vault of stars, you fight her and you kill her, but it's a simulacrum mm. and you learn of her ultimate goal to use Waterdeep to do this insidious plot. And so she banishes you and everyone thinks that she's a good leader and she framed Silverhand for something. And I think that could be really cool. Yeah, yeah I think that could be really, really cool. And then you have this 
especially if you've played in Waterdeep up until like, I don't know what level to fight a Lich. They're pretty high CR, but a good party can take them out pretty low. But especially if you've played through Waterdeep for like a full campaign and you're like level 14 now, because it kind of flips the script of, okay, you had a fun, raucous time being heroes in Waterdeep. Yeah. Now you have to invade Waterdeep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know it. You know the city streets. You know the NPCs. But you're going to have to make them re-trust you all over again. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to penetrate those walls that you've been working on the inside of. Yeah. And I think that that could make a really fun dynamic for a late-game quest. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I like that a lot. Like, this, the friendly place that you've had this whole time is suddenly hostile and foreign. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, I like that turn of uh, expectations. Dazer's Inn is located south of the Temple of Gond on Sea-Watch Street. This fine old inn caters to the rich sailors who want to stagger to bed from Fiery Flagon as late as possible and to concentrate pilgrims and other visiting the temples. As a result, it is a very prosperous place that is well-built and incorporates all the innovations and improvements that Gond folk suggest, such as dumbwaiter shafts that bring hot food to each room, sliding bolts recessed into every room door, alarm gongs on each floor, pumped water on tap in each room, and such like. That avoids a lot of the more ostentatious frills that some place north of Mount Waterdeep indulge in. Gonar's Tavern is the most brightly lit tavern you'll ever see. It gleams and sparkles with mirrored glass and cut glass faux gems everywhere to catch and throw back the many glowing globes that hang in the air. It's bright because citizens go here to be seen and to survey each other as much as to relax over a drink. The words slick and honest lay come to mind. On the other hand, if you want to be noticed in water in high society, this is the place. The ship's wheel is located on the corner uh, just inside Westgate. This place is a little less high-nosed than a lot less clean and bright than Gonar's. It's also probably the safest tavern you'll ever see. Adorned in the front lobby with gleaming ship's wheel, uh, large enough for a titan. Of all the city's taverns, only Garner's and the Wheel have front lobbies. This is the place for those with too much money or too many years that don't want to go to Garner's. I think Gonar's Tavern mm-hmm. could be really funny as um, a side thing for your party in the sense that, okay, so your party's starting to make a name for themselves, mm-hmm. right? They're like level five or six. They've done some good deeds. They're starting to be a bit famous in the city, right? And so someone sends a missive, a letter, inviting them to Gonar's Tavern with Lady Stormborn of, okay, fine, Lady Stormborn of House Targaryen. <laughs> um, so you you go and you have a lovely dinner. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't know what the frick Gonar's Tavern is. You're getting famous in town, but like you've never been here. Yeah. It's an uppity rich person joint where people go to be the latest gossip, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, in today's episode, we are working with Tassilar, right? Mm -hmm. So then after that, you go to collect your reward or your next quest or get information from Tassilar. And Tassilar's like, eh, so you went to Gona's last night with Lady Stonebone, huh? Um, Just offhand, like, as you're leaving. And you're all like, wait, you heard about that? And he's like, oh, it's the talk of the town. Lady (laughs) Stormborn at Gonaz with a group of uppity on the upcome, on the uptick adventurers. (laughs) Everyone's talking about it. Are you sure you wanted to hitch your horse to that? Yeah. And everyone's like, what's wrong with Lady Stormborn? Wait, what do you mean? It was just dinner. (laughs) And Tassilar's like, "Mm, if you think it was just a dinner, nothing at Gonaz is just a dinner. But oh, well, there's nothing wrong with her, per se. Sorry, I've said too much. Leave now. No, no, no. Tell us more. No, no, it's okay. I, I'm not going to talk shit. Bye. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple days later, you get another one yeah. for, you know, Lord uh, Traskar. And it's like, <laughs> suddenly everyone wants to go to Gonar's Tavern with you. And yeah. it becomes this thing where, so you go with Traskar. But then the next day, everyone's upset with you. Yeah. And people are starting to be like, you go to your regular tavern and they go, 15 gold for the drink. And you're like, wait, what? And they're like, well... Oh, friends of Traskar aren't welcome here. And you're like, well, wait, no, oh, that was... Yeah, why don't you go ask Traskar for the 15 gold pieces? Yeah, exactly. And so and then so <laughs> yeah. you keep getting these things and it becomes kind of this mini game of who to say yes to and who to say no to. Because if you say no to everyone, that's going to fuck you over even more. Mm-hmm. But if you say yes to the right people, then and it just becomes this kind of, you know, it it'll have sway over the main quest because depending on who you were seen with last, you might get into the library, but not get into the blacksmiths or you might be, uh, have a discount with the alchemists or get some information, but you don't have uh, 
good stay with the herbalists. Yeah, just by going to this tavern, you are embroiled in the the politics and the like pettiness of Waterdeep society. You know what it is? Yeah. It is for everyone who's played Fire Emblem Three Houses, it is tea time. Yeah, it is tea time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that this would be a very, very fun little background thing going on. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. important at all. It, it's not, you know, there's no intrigue or anything. It's just reputation. Yeah, it's all reputation. Who you say yes to, who you say no to. And suddenly, you know, your party's got a Google Doc <laughs> filled with all of the nobles that keep inviting them and the pros and cons of each of them. And, you know, it's like they, they get a letter saying that Lord Emilior wants them to come. And all of a sudden they're researching Emilior, figuring out who the allies are, who the enemies are, what he funds, <laughs> what he doesn't fund, who he was there with last. And you're like, guys aren't you supposed to be fighting a lich that's going to destroy the city? <laughs> and they're like, yes, we're going to get to that, but this is very important. Our reputation is on the line. Hmm, what do we need soon? Oh, well, we really need information about this diary that has gone missing. Well, all right. Well, Lord Emilio has it in with the people who make the, what are they called again, party? You know, the little books everyone reads. Lord Emilio has it in with the makers of that. But if we say yes to Lady Shadonis... She has it in with the library at Mistra. Hmm. You know, I think that that could be a, a fun little, fun little mini game, noble tea time mini game. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. I think that'd be so much fun. No, I think it's good. I like it a lot. That's a, it's a good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it would be fun. I'd enjoy playing that as a player. The Pilgrim's Rest is a comfortable but modest for Waterdeep Inn that provides affordable stabling and lodging for many visitors of Waterdeep's temples. The Wandering Wemmick is located in uh, the angle between an alley and two streets. This large, recently opened inn offers ample, airy, well-lit rooms, new furnishings, clean surroundings, and high rates, and an efficient, numerous staffed bouncers to keep undesirables out. The Den Cold Beasts of Day price includes stabling, a valet service for cleaning and repairing clothes, and boots and a bottle of wine per head per evening, but no food. It provides a good place for wealthy merchants to want no trouble over a place to stay. We'd be walking down the street with a campaign where I'm the yeah. player, and uh, <laughs> the DM would be like, and as you turn the corner, you see the wandering Wemmick, and all of a sudden my character would be like... I pull out a torch and I light it. I start running <laughs> towards the wandering Wemmick. And my player character is looking at the party screaming, hold me back! Hold me back! I'm gonna do it! I'm gonna do Hold me back! Hold me back! I'm gonna commit arson! And the rest of the party's like, oh, we start making an athletics check to hold Killian back. <laughs> hold me back! I'm gonna burn this motherfucker to the ground! Wemmicks, yeah. DM's like, I didn't know your character hated Wemmicks. And I'm like... Uh, sorry, neither did I. <laughs> it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> you think you're in a Hold city, you won't see Wemmicks. <laughs> <laughs> they keep showing up. I keep thinking I'm done, but they, they keep, keep pulling, pulling them back, back in. in. Uh, the Golden Harp is a comfortable two. Seriously, they've shown up <laughs> in Waterdeep now. Crazy. Why? Why? <laughs> you put this in here just for me to yeah, freak out. I did. <laughs> Uh, the Golden Harp Inn is a comfortable two-story stone and slate inn, cheery and well-lit in all times and noted for a magical harp that appears in mid-air at odd times to sing and play ancient ballads by itself. And Megaron's Inn is a classy establishment with a penchant for purple. The interior is dark wood and the beds are large and round, and each room is extremely soundproof. It is a favorite inn for lovers' escapes or merchant deals that are best kept to need to know extremely soundproof i don't know what, i don't extremely want to know what goes on extremely soundproof but, uh, i was gonna say just by the name mergun yeah this place is evil <laughs> yeah and then you said and then you said the rooms are extremely soundproofed and i was just like oh this place is extremely evil yeah here's going on here here's what i'm saying it's extremely soundproof and they really play that up and they're like yeah like, as I say, merchants come here and, like, deals that you need to know that are secret that you really don't want people to know about. We're really soundproof. No one needs to know what you're doing in these rooms. Mayor Grun has, like, a window into every room. He has, like, a, yeah. a, a walkway between the walls, and he is spying on everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, you come here to, like, torture people, get oh, information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that name is so evil. Yeah, Mayor Grun. The House of Purple Silk is one of the most famous pleasure palaces of the Sword Coast. For decades, its name has been synonymous with decadent dalliance. Its trademark is a sheer purple silks worn by its escorts. 
Inside, it's a series of warm, carpeted rooms crowded with cushions, bold guests, and bolder staff. Not a place for the bashful. Highly recommended. Rumored to have contraband hidden inside some cushions and under certain areas of carpet. We had to have one. Oh, yeah. Had to have. <laughs> we had to, we, we couldn't have gone out of a ward without at least one fest hall. Without one fest hall. I like the idea of a fest hall as a drop point for contraband. Mm, yeah. Even as a part, like as a part of a quest, super cool. But also just as part of a, if you have someone with a criminal connect background. Yeah. You're like, hmm, DM, I want to go sell my uh, poison. Yeah. Or I want to go buy some poison. And, you know, so you go meet your contact and all your contact does is hand you a room. Yeah. Right. And you're just expected to know what to do. And of course you do know what to do. The DM will fill you in. But I think that that's so cool. Yeah. I think that's really cool. That's such a flavorful thing for a criminal connect background feat. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Seaward uh, is, I think what we've talked about a lot in this uh, episode and what I would use Seaward uh, for is the place that you like introduce your players to after they're kind of famous in Waterdeep after they've done the Waterdeep Dragon Heist or after they've done whatever your story is there. Yeah. And I like it as this like, because that's something I would really enjoy playing. And I know this isn't for everyone, but I'd really enjoy playing in D&D of like when you get more of the famous high level and famous is that like you are now part of the politics of the the land but like yeah not just the like make decisions uh no war whatever no you're part of the gritty petty image politics too you're part of tea time yeah you're part of tea time exactly yeah i that is my favorite if you if you take one thing from this episode it is that tea time subplot if you're in any city (laughs) in the realms this would fit perfectly there Mm -hmm. just add your own version of this place where people go to be seen it sounds like so much fun yeah yeah. especially you don't do it every session what you do is every time the party accomplishes something a new wave of invites come Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and so the first time you send two and the party decides and then you throw in you know positive boons and negative boons for what they chose and they go whoa that choice actually had a impact on stuff minor stuff yeah you know and it's just like this little thing where each time they go they are essentially picking small boons and small negative boons Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i think that that's kind of like in strixhaven there's this there's the uh right the relationship yeah there's your best friend slash lover and then there's your rivals and so Mm -hmm. who you pick as a rival and who you pick as a best friend gives you minor positive and negative boons Mm. and i think that's just really fun and it's a good way to make your party feel like part of the city and upper society and like they're getting that fame without having to be like i'm writing a political intrigue campaign now (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's great yeah that's it for a journey today remember that wemix can be around any corner Hold me back. <laughs> I'm going to burn this fuck to the ground. Uh, next episode, we'll cover the Dungeons of Waterdeep and the Field Award. Watch, there's going to be a dungeon full of weapons. <laughs> it's so full of it. Thank you, Lily, for joining me. Yeah. And bond us with the music around the fire. You can find them on Bandcamp. Links in the description of the episode. Please remember to rate, review, and apparently they don't like to subscribe anymore. So rate, review, and follow at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great long rest. Bye.